This is Half Class Podcast. For a seven-year-old with a skin condition, he got a lot of courage. With a knife in the back, a natural cause of death? I'm just, I'm eating the dirt. (laughs) I just zoned out for like five fucking minutes thinking about him pooping. Hey everyone, it's ya boy, Chris, also known to some as Daddy Salem. Alright, I'm fucking out of uh, here. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> what is going on? Where is You will respect my authority. I will stop. You will respect my authority. Thanks for coming, Thomas. Yeah. And welcome to Half Class Podcast, a Dungeons and Dragons live play podcast. If you've listened to our podcast before, then you've probably realized that I am not the regular voice that greets you here. That is because this episode marks the start of a second campaign in our world that I will be DMing. It will be running concurrently with our first campaign in Arkans. <laughs> what the fuck it are you went doing? Down wrong, and it was like coming out my nose. A little bit. <laughs> Sorry, go on, that. Dungeon Master. I'm in control. Uh... <laughs> Immediately Uh, says, um. (laughs) For you new listeners, you do not have to be caught up on our other campaign to listen to this one. That is because our new campaign will be taking place on a separate continent. The continent of Ulboro. I will be your dungeon master throughout this campaign. In a couple minutes, we're going to play out a short flashback-style intro for each of our players' characters, and then afterwards, they'll talk a little bit more about their characters. In case you haven't heard, our players are Dietrich Heiss. That me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You, you don't announce your characters right now. Uh, let's do that again. In case you haven't heard, our players are Dietrich Heiss. Hi, Aaron- everyone. I'm going to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, just sit down. You can't sit find down. it. It's okay. It. He's he's on a screen. I'm uh, not putting my pants back on. Okay, I wasn't going to ask that. Oh, I thought you were changing. But the no. <laughs> no, he's not a changeling in this one. He's a TM. So, important thing, um, Chris, it's, 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 it's all good. We can easily edit him out. So, if he says anything, we can edit him out. No problem. Good. I, I'm just saying we edit him out of the whole podcast. Oh. Um, get, you can go back. Arcane, just get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Daddy Salem. I'm, I apologize. Ian Kirsten and Thomas the Train Williams. But before we get to them, I'd like to say that if you've never played or watched people play D&D before, just think of it as an audiobook where the narrator will screw up and occasionally swear. D&D is basically collaborative storytelling where a roll of the die represents success or failure, and the main characters are brought to life by the players here at our table. I'm sure you'll catch on quick. We release content on a bi-weekly basis every other Monday at 12 a.m. If you're a fan of our other campaign, set in Arkansas, you do not need to worry. It will be returning shortly. We plan on releasing this along with the episode one of Obero, and then we'll be going back to Arkansas, and then we'll be going back and forth from that point on between Obero and Arkansas on a bi-weekly basis. All right, so to get you familiar with the world before we meet the characters, here is a little bit of the lore recorded by our previous dungeon master, Acre. Aorus was once a land of the arcane and diversity up until about a century ago. The Pangea that was Aorus had inner conflicts toward magic, and that conflict was that some were gifted to wield the power and naturalized it into their everyday lives, and the others had deemed it unnatural by the gods. 
more specifically the god of strength and storms, known as Kord. When the Arcanists were told to discontinue their use and study of this magic, they fought back and in turn, a war began. A little over four years passed and the non-magical users of the nation of Arkansas were prevailing in the war. The other three nations, Farcrest, Alephia, and Ulboro, had allied to use what arcane magic they had left to shatter the ground and separate the battlefield. Aorus, as it were, became four great continents, taking the names of the nations, so Farcrest, Elephia, Ulboro, and of course, Arkansas. Uh, there were more consequences to using such an enormous amount of energy at once than just the land splitting, however. Uh, climates changed as the oceans divided, many lakes and rivers have dried up and become deserts, and the magic on the material plane has all but disappeared, leaving magical and many faithful feeble and weak. One hundred years have passed since this new divide, and the lands are still at war, and the people all on edge as they've been attempting to learn how to live and trust again. But at the same time, there is a sense of warmth as magic has finally returned. Wow, that was a really good. Uh, did you guys hear all that? That was actually pretty good. Was I thought beautiful. it was pretty solid. That sounded Holy nice. Shit. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna have to do it myself. That was atrocious. Are we just gonna stroke yeah, his I ego or DM on this one? Yeah, I think I'm yeah. just so used to Aaron being the DM. I just was kissing his ass. I just I, think yeah. I. Um, I think I we don't should... know. Honestly, Chris, we don't. We can just we can just record your section later and then edit his section out. It'll be fine. Good, good, good. We'll come back to it. I own the equipment and I do the editing. I will decide. Hey, the guy that's not wearing pants around here decides things, okay? God, your dick is so big. I know. It's as big as Thomas's arm. I Too big. I TM Darren's voice, so I own his voice. <laughs> you don't know my voice. Oh, you can't do other voices. I just own your natural voice. I can do it. He took my voice. He did me. Now that you know a little bit about the world's lore, let's meet our characters. These are going to take place in the form of flashbacks that occurred not too long before where our campaign is going to start. Again, if you're new to D&D, you could just think about them as prologues for each character. Let's all roll a d20 to see who goes first. 17. <laughs> Why did I roll the same thing that I rolled last time? Another 11. We add something to this, right? I got an 18. 10. Okay, Aaron, you were going first. We settle on a ship, alone, in the middle of the Blightborn Sea. It's quiet, except for the sails slapping against the wind and the water lapping against the wood. The Blightborn Sea formed in the rift between Ulboro and Arkansas when the continent split apart. And in the chaos that followed this, pirates were often the least of people's concerns. But this was no ordinary pirate ship. The red wood and the black sails indicated that this ship was captained by the infamous Bloodbeard and his crew. This ship was known as the Bloody Mary, and legend said that if you were to say the name of the ship three times, it would appear. On the main deck of this ship is a 14-year-old boy looking out across the waves. He runs his fingers across fresh stitches, and he can still taste blood in his mouth. His ship was attacked earlier that day by the naval fleet, and he'd escaped with only one casualty, the gun that he'd always carried on his side. Now the empty holster reminded him of that. Aaron, briefly describe your character. 
Dakota Redheart is a lean, edgy-looking teen with a light caramel skin tone and black medium-length hair styled in a wavy and wide forward mohawk. He has slightly more noticeable canine features, uh, mostly in his teeth and his heterochromatic eyes. He has an earring that appears to be a white rabbit foot. He has a pirate brand of a compass needle through his left unkept brow, and he dresses in all-black worn-down clothing. As he stands there, suddenly his thoughts are broken by a middle-aged crewman with three teeth and no right leg named Fillmore, who tells you that the captain has requested you. Other people might be scared if the captain had called them this time of night, but you know that he's always been kind to you. He'd found you drifting out at sea in the middle of the Blightborn Sea, and uh, he'd taken you aboard, and you'd gone on to become the first mate of the Bloody Mary, but you'd, you'd earned it on your own. The captain, as you enter the room, motions for you to sit down across the desk from him. Now, Captain Bloodbeard is a stout, dwarven man with a thick, graying beard, and uh, true to his moniker, it's stained a deep red. His eyes are glossy, and his cheeks are flushed beneath the deep wrinkles, but you can probably assume that's because he's been, <laughs> he's been drinking. Bottles are spread everywhere. They're across his desk, they're across the floor, you can even see some over in his bed. He's got one in his hand. Now, these bottles look like rum, but you know that they are actually filled with red wine, the captain's favorite. He finishes his bottle, he tosses it aside, and he wipes his hand down across his mouth uh, to clean off any of the wine that was left, but most of it just ends up nestling in his beard. His eyes settle on you. Hey, Cap. Uh, putting in some extra hours? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you could see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fillmore told me you wanted to have a word with me. Hi, I did. Um... How, how are the stitches looking? Uh, I would say they're pretty great. Um, do, do you need to see them? No, that's okay. I'll uh, show you anyways. See? Yep. We gotta get a new doctor. It would probably be <laughs> beneficial if he had at least one working eye. Uh, you know most ships have uh, majors that do the healing work. They're behind in the times. I, I would say... Uh, if you could, if you wouldn't mind, give, just give him another chance. He definitely doesn't. Honestly, if he had two eyes, he'd be great. Well, you know I can't make him walk the plane because he doesn't have legs, but I'll take it easy on him. Okay. He stitched. It was just in the wrong spot. Uh, All right. Was it close call today, wasn't it, lad? Honestly, I didn't think we were going to make it out of there. Oh, Especially oh, yeah. you, you... I've never seen you freeze, but... Huh. You know, I... I saw the gun named at you. And I've never seen me freeze either. Did I ever tell you that I had a son? Uh, no, Captain. You, you haven't. Probably for good reason, though, I'm sure. I... I always hoped that he'd grow up to be like me, strong and brave and gray beard and old. I, but you know, he died young. I'm sorry to hear that. How did he die? A naval officer caught him off the shores of White Harbor. Gave him his own ship. 
going off on his own trying to make a name for himself. They caught him and they hung him. I'm so sorry, Captain. I, I had no idea. You know, I can't help but... <clears throat> you know, I can't help but think... If I, if I had been a carpenter or a fucking builder, I don't fucking know what regular people do, but... That's a carpenter. I... <laughs> you got a sharp wit, boy. Learned it from the best. Have you ever thought about if you were to pirate, what you would do? Well, I've thought about it a lot, but if I wasn't, then I would have never met you or the crew, and you guys are the closest thing that I have left. You guys are my family. I saw that your, your gun got busted, right? Yeah, they swiped it out of my hand. The one time I wasn't paying attention. It happens. Here, I want you to take this. It was my son's. I want you to take it when we land in Cordalia in the morning and I want you to have it fixed. And I want you to use it. Are, are, are you sure, Captain? I, I am. And I want you to take this note, give it to the blacksmith, don't read it. Aye, aye. I'll do that. Um, Captain. Aye. Thanks. You know, a parent doesn't always get to choose the life that they have and that they pass on to their child. I understand. All right, have a drink with me, lad, and then be on your way. Yes, sir. Uh, before I go, Captain... All right. Thanks for giving me a purpose. Drink with me, lad. Farewell. You're a good lad. Night, Captain. Night. All right. That was your introduction to Coda. Everyone, roll a d20 again. 18. 11. 5. Okay, we're going to move on to Thomas the Train Williams. Yee-yee. Why did you start with a wrestling name? Why did you ask to be called Thomas the Train Williams? Oh, because, oh my god, I'm so fucking stupid. Never mind. <laughs> I thought it was Thomas the Tank Engine, but... Oh, no, no. No, it's Thomas the Train because I... Never mind. <laughs> That's not the right kind of train. Because <laughs> we all run a train on Thomas before we start. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> we're, we're trying this new thing where we take a shot of whiskey, and it's just because we're out of stamina from fucking Thomas so often. Please, God, cut this. <laughs>
at the base of a long-forgotten temple buried deep beneath the surface of the planet is a room, a stone room etched with words and symbols long forgotten by mankind. A solitary torch wards off the encroaching darkness and casts unnatural shadows across the floors. The room echoes with sacred yet blasphemous phrases chanted in perfect complex rhythm by a very pale elf. Thomas, briefly describe your character. My character is a pallid elf. He is very pale, like not quite albino, but basically. Um, has long black hair, thin face, slim, average height. You know, just fits in anywhere. In front of you stands a stone pedestal, and on that lies a book. A book open, but filled with blank pages. As you finish your chant, you hear the echoes finally die down, and then there's only silence. And then you feel the ground beneath your feet turn to dust, and the light is gone. You are floating in a sea of void that surrounds you. You can't breathe, but you don't need to. After a few moments, you see something appear in the distance, in the darkness. It's larger than anything you could even imagine. Even with your incredible eyesight, you can only make out bits and pieces of this great monstrosity. You see spinning orbs that explode into masses of writhing tendrils that are reabsorbed into the inky chaos of this being. Therion, speak the name of your patron. Gunther. As you say this, you feel a weight in your mind, as if a million thoughts are in your head at once. And then, it all congeals into a singular voice. What do you seek, mortal? I seek all of the knowledge. This I can grant you. Why is it that this is what you seek? With knowing all, I can help all. Noble. Unlike most that come here. Many have tried to walk your path, but most have lost their senses. I've been working at this for a hundred and twenty years now. Dedication. You are not asleep here. Most who come into my realm fall into a deep slumber. But you wake. I don't sleep. This is suitable for your endeavor. Only the mind in dreams can remember what you see here. It is not bound by sanity. The waking mind cannot remember what it sees here, as it cannot correlate its contents. Do you understand of what I speak? I will make sense of it someday. That is a good answer. I can grant you this power and this knowledge, yet I ask one thing. That you learn, and that when I make my request, you heed the call. I can do that. Time is not to me what it is to you, and yet the time will come when I make such request. Time differs for all. Hmm, yes. The 
theory of relativity. Perhaps that's ahead of your time. A bit behind, actually. Then take my book and be my vessel. The minds of others can no longer hide from you. As I see all, soon you shall come to. Thank you. You're welcome. You awaken on the floor of the temple in darkness, but your eyes can make out the pedestal, and on it, a book filled with eldritch knowledge. And that's stereo. Nice. So that's canon. That thank you is, is canon. <laughs> I thank you, it's canon. thinking you were just... <laughs> oh, no, that's oh. canon. Well, sorry I ruined that. Sorry, buddy. No, it's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> Roll your die, bitch. 15. Dietrich? Three. Ian, we find ourselves at the highest peak of the Paravel Mountain Range. On top of it sits a tiny village. All the houses are made out of wood and mostly are pretty much just almost look like nests. They're not very well covered at all. On one side of the mountain range is a lush forest of both typical trees like uh, oak trees and pine trees and such, but also more jungle-style trees. On the other side of the mountain range, there lies a vast expanse of dead, desert, dry, empty land. It's got a grayish-red soil. It used to be a lake, but now it's almost a desert. Two Aarakocris stand facing this desert at the top of a stone staircase that runs all the way down the mountain. Uh, for those of you who don't know, an Aarakocra is a bird person, essentially. Other Aarakocras fly overhead, but they all seem to be keeping a respectful distance. Beside the two of you, there's a statue of an egg, a giant egg, with words that read, Only from the world can you truly hatch. One of the two Aarakocras wears heavy armor. The other is wearing almost nothing. Ian, briefly describe your character. He is about... Five feet tall, 100 pounds. His feathers are golden brown with black rings around his eyes. His eye color is is mainly black with hints of brown. He stands up very straight, uh, great posture. His armor is in pristine condition, very clean and reflective. And that's that's him. Okay. The Eric Cochran next to you, you would know to be Chief Grovehummer. He's a short, muscular bird with green and white feathers and a long, thin blue beak. This is one of the only times you've ever seen him on the ground. He's almost always flying. He rarely ever lands. You see that his little black eyes settle on you. You've said farewell to your mother and father already, I assume. Yes, I have. They will miss you, but this is an important journey. I know. I, I just I need to find myself. Yes, that is why we all take this journey. Everyone has taken this journey? It is not mandatory, but as far back as I can remember, everyone has taken this journey. There's just something so... So many people come back. Is it not as great as it seems? We are a people bound by duty. Out there... They are not bound by duty. We struggle to live out there in that way. 
We are a people of black and white. Us and them. Paravel and the outsiders. There's not much gray with us. But out there, most are gray. This is a big step. Do you know what our egg says? Uh, vaguely. That is okay. It is, it is facing out, away from our village, so, so you have to go all the way around to see it. Most people do not do this. It says, only from the world can you truly hatch. That is a message to those leaving and to those returning. Right. You will change there. What if it's not for the better? We are noble people, and with the exception of one, all of us return. It is our duty to protect the weak people of the Paravel Valley. Only we can do this. That is why we return. You have a strong spirit, Key. I am not worried. Are, are you worried? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm scared, and I'm questioning everything we've done here. If there's a whole world out there, why are we stuck protecting Paravale? Because it is our duty. What makes it our duty? We said we would do it, and they are weak. So their words... Bind me here to protect a weak group when I could be exploring or I, I could be anything, but I have to be some guardian. My son, metaphorically, you can be anything you want. For the next year, and then you come back and be a warrior. Um, we'll see. Your honesty is heartening. However, also disheartening because of the content of our conversation. When you're out there, the outside people do a thing called lying. I learned about it when I was out there too. Now, for instance, what if I told you that I was a snake? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Exactly. But what if I told you I was? Well, obviously you're not. I can see you are. There we go. Uh, if I would have told any of these people that I was a snake before they went out, they would have believed me. Because I told them. But, wait a minute. You, you know about lying? Or did you just see through what I said? I, I just know the difference between a snake and, and you. But you trust your senses... Over your chief. Well, yes. Hmm. You have much to learn, Kisarak. I won't argue with you there. Enjoy your time out there. Thank you. Farewell. And to you. And that was Ian. Dietrich. Go ahead and roll a d20 for me. And if you get a one, you're not doing a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Oh man, I really, I really hope I don't get in that one. Seventeen. We're in this. Okay. 
we settle in on a seedy little dive bar in the crime-riddled burrows of Tosh Hala. Inside, you see people drinking, laughing, having a good time, discussing things they stole, reminiscing about fights they've been in, all kinds of shit like that. Over in the corner, you see a couple tables and glasses are just broken to pieces from a bar fight that happened earlier. You see a couple lost teeth that have probably been knocked out and a little bit of blood still staining. On a table not too far from the door, you see a young dwarven man sitting next to a goliath and uh, it looks like maybe a halfling. The goliath and the halfling get up and pat the dwarven man on the back and walk over to the bar, toss a couple stolen coins across to pay for their drinks and head out. Dietrich, as your little dwarven character is sitting at the table, uh, go ahead and describe yourself. Not briefly like everyone else. I want you to describe yourself in absolute fucking detail. Do not leave out a fucking thing, Dietrich. A rebellious 18-year-old dwarf. Pale, pasty skin, um, and a poncho overlaying trousers that go to about mid-calf, where they abruptly stop and are interrupted by socks that happen to have some kind of fish netting over them. Uh, Underneath the poncho that is clearly uh, some kind of college kid's drug rug that's been abbreviated. There's a uh, fine leather armor and uh, <laughs> many bobbles and doohickeys. The only one you can really see happens to be on my wrist. A metal cuff. Looks like it could be uh, the fine cuff of a prince or uh, a-, a wealthy merchant. But it's been a little dinged up, so maybe it's just the cuff of an ex-cop. And uh, I'm sitting, and I'm staring, and I'm looking rather pugnacious. That means he looks like a pug. Oh yeah, I was confused. Buggy eyes. Very dog-like. As you're sitting there, you see a fat dwarf walk into the bar with a big curly mustache. I'm sitting right here. He sits down. As you watch, you see another fat dwarf with a big curly mustache walk into the bar. Uh, This one is wearing a gray hooded cloak, but underneath you can almost make out velvety red garments. You know this, Dietrich, to be Reginald, your sister's fiancé. Oh, God. As he sees you, he smiles. And you see his hand move around in a broad, circular fashion as he chants the words to a spell. And then the wooden door behind him starts to glow, and so does the table and the chairs next to him and a couple of empty glasses on the table. Suddenly, all of these inanimate objects sprout inhuman eyes that are looking right at him. And he looks over at the door. Don't let him out. The door nods. He walks over to your table, Dietrich and snaps his fingers, and you see the chair that has eyes now move out so that he can sit down on it comfortably, and he sits down across from you. And he says, Well, who would have thought I'd find you here? What, nothing to say, brother? Well, I guess I can't call you brother yet, but in a few days I will be able to. Still nothing to say? I take off my wide-brimmed felt hat and I put it on the table next to me. (laughs) Reginald, 
that's, uh, that's, that, that's funny. I, I didn't think I'd see you here. What brought you to, to the neighborhood? <laughs> well, your sister and I are getting married in the morning. Oh, of course, I know. And she insisted that I come find you. And, and being the good fiancé that I am, I, I, well, I had to do this. And look, I found you. And it was way too easy, I should add. <laughs> are, are you even trying to hide? No, of course I'm not trying to hide. Why would I be hiding? Not from my future brother. I, I'll be there in the morning, of course. I wouldn't miss my sister's wedding. Right. Well, see, I had an inkling that you might find out, and I've really come to tell you that nobody wants you there. Nobody. Not your family, certainly not me, and, and if your sister wants you there, I'm, I'm certain it's only out of uh, obligation. <laughs> oh... You're, you're funny one. Uh, you're quite funny. Seriously, Reginald, why are you here? What do you want? Well, I, I did promise your sister that I would come find you. And so you have. However, I did not promise that I would bring you back. <laughs> In fact, I think I'd rather die than have you at my wedding. You've always been a brat, you know that? An embarrassment to your entire family. <laughs> hmm. So you won't be there. Well, consider your message delivered. Dietrich, you notice the spell ending and the eyes on the door disappearing. Wonderful catching up with you, Reginald. I flip him a coin, I grab my hat, and I head for the door. I stop right before I get to the door and I turn back. You know, maybe I will go to that wedding. <laughs> See you there. And then I walk out. Okay, that was Dietrich's character. I hope that kept you engaged. Got it? Got a Reginald engaged to your sister? God, what a cunt he was, huh? Right? I yeah. hated right. that guy. I, I, I did not like him at all. Literally every He was moment. literally... He was that rich asshole that, like, just pampered as a youth, clearly. All right. Uh, that was the flashbacks. Do you guys want to discuss anything? Do you have any questions about any of each other's characters or anything? Honestly, I'm curious. Uh, what was the, the thought process behind uh, Gunther? <laughs> And this is name. the first name that popped in my head. Wow. Fucking seven deadly sins. How is it? How is it spelled? Is it G U E or is it G U G U E G U E? Okay, good. I assume he's he must be like a demon of some sort or something. Some type of clearly it's your pact mm -hmm. as a, as a warlock. Probably put a um, lot of thought into this. I thought he was a genie. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's never played D and D before. Are there not genies in D and D? There are. <laughs> They're called Jin. Uh, oh, that was really cool. I actually really liked uh, every little bit of like the different storytelling pieces that Chris brought to the party. Yeah, I thought everything was very in depth with the specifics, and I really like the different uh, scenery. 
pieces that you added. You're so nice. I'm going to, I'm going to put my pants back on. I am so excited to see how this gets woven together. I loved seeing like the origin stories of everyone. I feel like a superhero. Yeah. My favorite part about this is everybody seems to be good except for Dietrich. <laughs> He's the only one who doesn't seem like it. Like he seems like the, uh, w- w- what's his name? Uh, he seems like the. Oh, oh right, right. <laughs> I basically just retooled my Gorum character. <laughs> what's the dude's name from Enchanted? Oh, you're talking about the actual character. I was talking about quality. <laughs> like audio quality. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about like his alignment. He doesn't seem like he's got a good. Yeah, he he seems like he's very like true neutral, which I guess my character also does because it doesn't seem like he was doing the great thing. I was gonna say you're a pirate, uh, <laughs> so, right? Uh, I guess. Uh, whatever. Well, mine was that I didn't want to. You don't want to be stuck. Be pigeonholed, protecting some weak. Which yeah, I I really like that pigeonholed because you're a bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that was pretty, I, I really like that. Pretty that cool. Your... It seemed like your character was almost the good guy despite himself because he was coloring in like the shades of gray in a very black and white society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's definitely ahead of his time, I think. The bird. Yeah. Your bird. I like bird that Chris... Boy. Key. Made it, yeah, Key. Was a Created the whole knowing a lie. That was really interesting that's interesting because both dietrich and i are gonna lie the fuck to you like there's yeah. no doubt in my mind we're gonna so lie to you every single time we with talk. a v or key no, like key key q h i key what huh one more time q h i okay key. so key like a key in your like, house yeah ah. like k-e-y yeah okay okay and then ciroc as in like the drink ciroc c-i-r-o-c yep i like that a lot but it's spelled s-u-r-r-o-k S U R R A K. Sorry, I don't know how to spell either. It's all good. I'm dyslexic. I honestly, I really love the idea that you're, you're okay. Everybody's character in here does not appear to be like that. Like, oh my, my family abandoned me. They all died, and like it's like everybody's character just seems like none of that matters right now. It's just like we all have our own decisions that we want to make which i really really love it's not like a super tragic backstory that we know yet mm-hmm. usually like people will be like oh yeah my uh, my clan died they were murdered by by orcs and this it's not i'm just on a journey right you just want to have fun yeah. you want to yeah. enjoy life and me and chris i just about really that. enjoyed Birds lying to reginald and trying fun. to scare the pants <laughs> off of him like that was the entire purpose that. of my scene <laughs> I, I didn't know if you were going to try and attack him <laughs> Oh, I mean, that was tempting, but also, no. Such a dick. Yeah, he's he's like... He sounds like one of those people that, like, rides one of the racing horses. I'm just imagining how frantic he would have been, like, on his wedding day, like, looking around, like, is he here? (laughs) Is that little shit here? He's probably just so (laughs) cocksure that you're not going to be there. He doesn't give a shit. He's smitten. Nah, he he probably has so many things in line to stop that. Like he he's rich. There's no doubt in my mind just by hearing his voice, he's rich. He hired for no reason. He hired like whole security teams to make sure that didn't happen. So, uh, do you guys have any other questions specifically for each other? So it wasn't a genie. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need uh, to ask any more questions. 
It was a great <laughs> one, bro. No, no, I'm ready to fucking play. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. Yeah, let's just go. Yeah, Session ready. one right now. All right, that is our intro episode for the Obero campaign. Uh, you can go right on and listen to our first episode of this campaign right now. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. It has been a pleasure to DM, and we will see you next time. Whoop, whoop. Pew. 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 Whoop, whoop. Pew. Okay, that's it. That is it for this week's episode, everyone. Thank you for listening. A few quick things. Our intro and outro song, Cruising in Neutral, is courtesy of a local Wisconsin pop punk easy core band, Common Threads. If you like that, check them out on Spotify and iTunes. Like and follow them on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash commonthreadswi. And their Twitter handle is at cthreadswi. We have Patreon content up, and for just $5 a month, you can become a hero of Grigon and gain access to Gorham's Gemspiration, Daddy Salem's Bedtime Stories, Detective Ling, and get early access to videos of DM's Guide to Creation, where Chris and I will build everything a DM builds and more. Message us on Twitter or at us, at HalfClassPod, and tell us what you thought of the episode, and we will shout you out personally. Hell, we'll even do it in your favorite character voice. Thanks again, everyone. We are out. Much love.